ever have any problem getting people to listen to you? Listening is a factor that, you know, it's hard to get people to listen. We, we, we know how important it is. <laughs> we know how, I know he never listens. So uh, we go ahead and we, uh, we get, want people to listen. We try to get people to listen. We want them to pay attention. And, and listening is important. Sometimes we think we hear what someone says, but we really don't hear what they say. And then there begins to be misunderstandings. There begins to be problems in relationships and other things that are going on. Uh, the failure to hear one another, to truly try to hear and listen to what's going on, it, it creates tensions between husbands and wives, between parents and children, in all kinds of situations because we say one thing, but sometimes what we say isn't understood the way that we thought we said it. I know one of the projects I did when I was in, in seminary was to, I, I did a, a series of sermons with the idea I would meet with a committee after every sermon and I would have them tell me what I said. And, and I would see whether they actually heard what I thought I was saying or whether they heard something entirely different than what I thought I was saying. And trying to come to that place and was trying to look and see, do people ever really hear what someone says or do we just hear what we want to hear? We, we hear what we imagine and being a part of that time as we look at it. Listening is critical. It's important. The Bible tells us as, as the people of God, as the church of God, that, that you and I have a responsibility to hear God speak to us, to listen as he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, to listen to him as he speaks to us through his word, that we are called to hear what he says. This morning, I just want to take a look through the seven churches that God spoke to through Jesus Christ that he gave to John in the book of Revelation. Seven churches that the Bible, I think, tells us are seven specific churches that were written to as God had a message for them. But because of that, the, also the completeness of the number, I think it's a message to every church of all time that we're to hear all of these messages. We're to understand that they apply to us as God's people and we're to pay attention to them. In, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 is the verse I'm going to look, look at. But if we looked at every, every one of the seven churches this morning, they all end the same way. They all have the same phrase. So I'm not going to read it seven times, although maybe you would hear it one of those times. But we're going to just allow ourselves to just hear it once, to listen to it once, and then to think about what it says as we look at each of those churches and what God said as he looked about it. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and out of the book of Revelation in chapter 2 and verse 7. And like I say, throughout chapter 2 and chapter 3, after each church, the same words are spoken, but I just re refer them to them this one time. Jesus is saying through John, as he talks about it, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, in the message, the, the little Bible that Peterson put together as he looks at it, it's a paraphrase, but he uses good language, he brings it to earth sometimes for us that we can understand it may be a little bit better. And as he writes it, he says, are your ears awake? then listen to the wind of the, the Spirit words that are coming. The Spirit words are the words of the Holy Spirit as He comes. Are we listening as we think about it? Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about together uh, this idea of listening, how critical it is in so many areas, of, well, in all the areas of our life. Father, we, we look at it and we understand that it, it makes a difference in our relationships with one another. It makes a difference in, in the things that we do in working together. It makes a difference in our schools. It makes a difference in our government. It makes a difference in every area of life is whether we're willing to listen to what's being said. But it's especially important that we listen to what you're saying, that we hear what you seek to teach us and to tell us 
as your people, that we would understand what it means to be the very body of Christ, the very living organism which touches a world, that allows that world to hear the gospel, to hear the truth that so desperately needs to be heard in what's going on. But before we can really allow others to hear it, we have to hear it. We have to pay attention to what you said. You told us that you would build your church upon yourself, upon the truth of who you are and all that's going on. And I pray, Father, that we would understand that first and foremost, this is your church, not ours. And because it is your church, we need to pay attention to how you want it to, to run, how you want it to operate, how you want it to live out faith in the world in which you've placed us. And so help us to have the ears to hear this morning. Help us to have our ears awakened. Help us to pay attention and not be, as the book of Hebrews talks about, be dull of hearing, but rather to be those who are willing to have our ears awakened so that we might truly hear the truth of what you say in Christ's name. Amen. Yesterday I was, you may be seated, excuse me. Yesterday I was at Walmart trying to get some water and I was waiting in line and there was a, a mother and a daughter and a younger son, I assume, uh, waiting in line in front of me and they had uh, all kinds of bottles and I was just sitting there think, feeling sorry for myself for how long I was going to have to stand there and wait because the water goes so slowly when it's coming out and usually I get it other places but they were all frozen up, couldn't use them and so I was waiting and, and when she got, finally got up, the person before left, she got up and while I was sitting there watching them and waiting, I noticed that they were signing to one another. Well, when she got up to the water machine, evidently she hadn't had a lot of experience with it and she was trying to find where to put her money and there's not a place to put your money. And, and everything, and so I was trying to, I tried to get her attention, and I tried to tell her she had to go pay first somewhere else. You didn't pay at the machine, you paid somewhere else as you looked at it and as you come, but, you know, and I got that across, although I don't, I didn't know sign language, I wish I did, but I don't, and so when she came back again, I, I pulled my mask down, and I, and I thought maybe she could read lips, and so I said, do, do any of you speak or hear, and she said no. And uh, so I said, I don't remember how to say thank you in sign language. I used to, but I, I don't remember it. But I want you to know how much I appreciate you letting me. She had me go in front of her and not wait while she was paying. She couldn't hear a thing that I said. They had learned how to communicate, but she couldn't hear. A lot of people in our day and time don't hear what we say. Not because they can't, but because they choose not to. And I think we do the same thing in the church so often. We do the same thing in our relationship with Christ and all that's going on. We don't really want to hear what He has to say because we're afraid if we really hear, if we really listen to what He's saying to us, that it might mean that we have to be different, do different. We might have to uh, work in a way or give our lives in such a way that God can use us for His glory. And we don't want that. We want to be selfish. We want to do what we want to do as we want to do it. And we come. And so we don't always pay attention. Well, in these letters to the churches that John was asked to present or commanded to present, actually, as he gave these to the churches, some key themes stand out. Each church has a lot of things that Jesus speaks about and talks about, but I just want to summarize those this morning. Is one key thing that stands out in each church that I think are seven principles that you and I as God's people, as God's church, need to listen to need to pay attention to and let sink into our hearts as we think about that and be a part of it, not just pass over them and not just say, well, those are words I've read and read and read and I don't need to hear them anymore. No, we need to hear them, and maybe for the first time for some of us because we haven't been listening in the past. The Bible says, as we looked at that first church, 
The first thing that I think that you and I need to hear this morning is keep me first. Jesus Christ speaking to the church. Jesus Christ speaking to me. Make sure that I am first in your life. In every area, in everything, in all things, I must be first. He talks about it in the book to Ephesus as he talks about the fact that they had lost or had left behind their first love. They had done a lot of good works. They were busy in ministry. He gives them all kinds of credit for all the activity that they have. But he says, I have something against you. And what I have against you is the fact that you've left your first love. You've lost the fervor. You, you've put me in the past back somewhere. You've not keep treating me as the one who is most important in your life. And I'm, I'm telling you that you need to open up your ears. You need to listen to me. And you need to put me back in the place that I belong. When we first became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, or let me just speak for myself because I don't know your response, but when I first became a Christian, I was just a child. I've been in going and I found some truths that I had never really understood before and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And it changed me. I, I, I fell in love with Him. I fell in love with the promise that He made me. I fell in love with the understanding of what it was and all the things that were there. And I'm not going to take time this morning to explain all why, why that went on. But it made a difference in my life. It changed who I was, even as a child, and what I believed, and, and how I began to act, and how I began to do. But over time, because I didn't have any kind of support at home or anywhere else, because I didn't have anyone encouraging me or teaching me or anything going on in my life, didn't understand the principles of Bible reading and prayer and all the things like that, that fervor, that love just kind of faded in the background and everything else took its place. I got involved in all kinds of sports and other things like that. And those things became more important than anything. But what God wanted me to know, what Christ is trying to impress my wife, the Holy Spirit kept teaching me over and over and over through other people and the things that were going on in my life was that I needed to get back to the place where what was more important to me was my relationship to Jesus Christ, more important than anything else in my life, more than anything that I had and would ever have was what I had in Christ Jesus. And I needed to understand, I needed to get a hold of that first love again. I needed to get back to that place where he meant more to me than anything in life. And I think most of us have lost that. He's not first place in many of our lives. Oh, if we were to be asked by someone, we would say it without hesitation. But the way we live, the way we act, the way we speak, the things that we do make it very clear that he's not the one who is more important to us than anything else in our lives. He's not the one who directs every thought that we have and every action that we take. He's not the one who guides our lives and all the things that we're about. We've lost that first love. We've lost that fervor, that sense in which I am in such love with him. Maybe you can go back and relate it to your own first love with whomever, but hopefully with your husband or your wife, or maybe there was a first love growing up somewhere that you had that you just, boy, you just couldn't get enough of that person. Wanted to be with them all the time. Wanted to talk to them all the time. Wanted to be around them all the time as much as you could being a part of it maybe over time that love has faded somewhat it happens in our families unfortunately it happens in life and the things that go on the love that we had that excitement that fervor that in, we had just kind of grows dim we have to spark it again Jesus is saying to you and to me as the church of the living God we need to get a hold once again of that first love and it needs to be what directs us and guides us and helps us in all the things that we go on. But as he continues to speak, it's not only about that first love, but he says that we don't need to be afraid. He speaks to the next church and he tells them. He knows that they're being 
uh, attacked and persecuted and all kinds of things that are going on. But the Bible tells us that you and I, as a people of God, do not need to have a spirit of fear within us because of what Christ has accomplished in our lives, that we can trust Him and depend upon Him. And He's saying to us that in the world in which we live, where there's so much that's going on that we deal with, we, we deal with disease, we deal with all kinds of disasters, we deal with all kinds of, of issues and, and, uh, because of the anger in our hearts as people in this world and, and all the things that are going on, but he's saying to the church, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. Don't be afraid to be the people of God, to be identified as the people of God. Don't be afraid to let me work in your life and being a part of those kind of things as we look at it and as we understand. And so we need to understand that, that we are called to be a people without fear, a people who live out our lives in the confidence that our God is in control and that he knows what he's doing, and nothing takes him by surprise. Does that mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us? Absolutely not. But it does mean that in the midst of whatever we're dealing with, we never have to fear because we have a God who is over all things and above all things, and we need to trust that and be a part of that as we look at it and understand it. But then he goes on to say, not only not to be afraid, but don't be misled. He talks to the next church about all the false religions and all the things that are going on and all the false teachings that are going on. And he warns them not to keep following in those practices, not to fall prey to those who teach things that are not true, to those who come alongside. It doesn't matter how charismatic that person may be. It doesn't matter who they may be, how much support they may have, that you and I are not to be misled by those things which are not of God. If it doesn't agree with the Word of God, it's wrong. If it doesn't agree with what God says, it's wrong. It doesn't matter how many people have voted for it, how many people have said something about it. It doesn't matter if the, mo the person that you respect more than anybody else in all the world says it. If it doesn't agree with what God has said, it's wrong, period. And we need to understand that. And we can't allow ourselves to be misled by all the religions that are going on in our world, by all the cults that are going on in our world, by all the philosophies that are going on in our world. If they do not agree with what God has said, they're wrong, period. And we need to accept that, understand that, and not allow ourselves to be compromised, not allow ourselves to begin to think about it. See, that's what Satan is so good about. He's so good about taking just a little bit of truth and making things sound okay, but it's not the real truth. It's not the full truth. And we fall prey, and we begin to compromise a little here, and a little bit here, and a little bit there. And before long, we find ourselves in a place we never intended to be, but we got there because we let ourselves get off base of what God's saying. And he warns the church. He tells the church, you must not allow yourselves to be misled. Here's the word. I have given you everything that you need to know. Here's the truth. And I've given you the spirit of the living God who is truth within you to help you to discern and listen and have wisdom so that you can know when someone says something, no matter how it may sound, is it line up with what God has said? There's a lot of things that we accept in this world, except in this nation, that are absolutely wrong, period. They have been made legal. They have been made uh, the majority opinion. They're followed by lots and lots of people, but they are wrong beyond a shadow of a doubt. And we can't follow that just because someone says it's okay. If it doesn't agree with the word of God, it's not right. And we are not to follow it. That's what he's saying to those churches as he looks at them and tells them, I know there's all kinds of temptations around you. There's all kinds of teachings around you. Don't be misled by the false that's out there. Don't be misled by those things that are brought before you that just aren't right as we look at it and as we see in the things that are going on. We can't follow the ways of the world 
no matter how popular they may be or how fun they may be sometimes it seems, we have to follow what God says to do in our lives. Stay true to his word. And then he says stay pure. It's a little bit different than not following the false things because this is more of about a moral thing. More about not getting caught up. The church he's speaking to here was caught up in the idea that there were all kinds of people there leading them, trying to get them back, go back to some of the cultic practices and going back to temple prostitutes and other things that were there to believe things that weren't right. But the Bible, what he teaches us throughout the Word of God and what he was trying to tell that church was you have to be separated. You have to remain pure. You can't allow yourselves to be defamed in such a way that your testimony, that your character is lost because you chose to live like the world and to take the pleasures of the world and make them more important than yourself. You have to remain pure in what you're doing and what you're being a part of. That starts in the way we think. It starts in the activity of our lives and the attitude of our hearts. But we have to be a people who are pure, who don't follow in the ways of the world. We have to accept the fact that there are standards that God has put upon the way that we live out our lives. There are standards on what we're to do in the way that we live and the things that we're a part of. And we are called as a people of God to be separate to be different than, to not act like the rest of the world acts. That was the whole statement of, of look at it, as, as we look at the book of Israel throughout the Old Testament, God set them apart, and he told them a lot of rules and a lot of regulations and a lot of things that you and I sometimes get caught up in and say, I don't want to mess with that, I don't want to read that, and we want to throw those things out and not be a part of it. But the reason he did that was because he had said, this people is a people that will be different than any other people in the world, and it will be that through them that I will bring the message of truth, I will eventually bring a Savior, but it will be through them that people can see what truth is. See, if there's no truth anywhere around us, how do we know what's right? If there's no standard that says this is the right thing to do always, not sometimes, not in certain situations, not in what involves, but in all things, this is right. If there's not that standard, then it doesn't matter what we do. And that's what we're being taught in our world today is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody has their own right, their own opinion. They can do anything they want to and whatever. We're to be tolerant. Tolerance is never of God. It was never, it's not Tolerance is certainly not love. And it's not anything but compromise. It's not anything but me saying, okay, I don't agree with what you agree. You don't agree with me, so we'll just won't worry about it. The church has to have a standard. And God says to be pure, to have that purity of mind, a purity of heart, purity of life as we live out and being a part of it. There has to be that. Maybe we won't be liked by anyone. Maybe we won't be understood by anyone. Maybe we won't be agreed with by anyone. It doesn't matter. Did God say this is wrong? Then it's wrong. Governments can pass rules. The Supreme Court can say it's okay. doesn't matter. They are not of God. God said it's wrong. And I don't need to go into all the details. You know exactly things that are going on in our nation. Almost every one of them ungodly. And we need to understand. It's because the church has quit believing in purity and quit standing for what we believe and the things that are going on. And God warns his church. Don't be defiled. Don't be impure. Don't be compromised by the world in which you live, but live according to what God has said and being a part of it. And then he goes on to the fifth church, and he says to that church, you need to be revived. You need to get back up. You were doing some good things, but you, you, you've begun to just kind of go through the motions. You know, a lot of times that's what we do in church. We just do what we've always done because, well, it's what we've always done. 
And we don't worry about whether it's pleasing to God or whether it's what God really wants us to do. He wanted us to do it one time back then, and so we started doing it, and we just assumed he always wanted us to do that, but maybe he wanted us to change something. Maybe not the word, not the truth, but maybe the way we did it, the way we approached it. Maybe he has a new ministry he wants us to start. Maybe he has something going on. Maybe he does just want to re-empower the ministry that we already have because it's good, it's just lost its power because we quit letting ourselves be led by God and started doing it our way because we've done it so long. God said, get that revived, get renewed in your heart again. Get excited again and and allow yourself to be re-empowered by the work of God in what you're doing. To let God take hold of your hearts and to let it be the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God that empowers you and lives through you and teaches through you and preaches through you and sings through you and witnesses through you and gives through you and does all the things that you and I are called to do as a people of God but let it be led by the power of the living God himself as he empowers you to be who you are see the the overall message of this is let's be God's people that we're called to be let's just be who we are as we think about that as we understand that and look at it excuse me I keep hitting my mic and I apologize for that and then he tells us that we're to keep on loving and trusting it's not about the size of our church it's about the size of our hearts now, that's not an excuse for saying we don't need to reach people. We don't have to worry about it. We don't, it doesn't matter. Numbers don't matter. They do number, matter because every number is a person. And every person is a story. And every story matters. Every story matters. And we need to know that and understand that. And so we as a church, all churches, we, we need to understand that God wants us to keep on loving people and keep on relating to people and keep on trusting Him. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, that we were created for good works. Good works that God has prepared for us to be doing. And we need to understand that, that we need to keep loving people, keep treating people with, with a desire to reach them and be a part of what's going on in their lives and being the things that are happening and what we're doing. We need to hear what God has to say to us as we look at it. And then finally, to that last church, he said, hold on to your passion. Hold on to your passion. That's a word that that means that we have gotten on fire for something. You look around and you can find people in this town that have a passion for some things that, boy, you know that that's their passion. For a lot of them, it may be sports. And boy, they're at every sports thing and that's all they talk about. Anytime you talk about them, they're talking about the last game or the next game. That's all that matters to them. Their passion is on sports, and that's what they live for. Some, it may be politics. That's all they want to talk about is politics. Some, it may be some hobby that they have or some trip that they took, or maybe it's a family member, uh, maybe it's a grandchild, whatever it is. They have a passion that they just want. That's what they If you talk to them, you know I'm going to hear about this. Somewhere in the conversation, this is going to come up, and this is what I'm going to listen to. And for most of us, we know we've heard it before, and we're going to hear it again. And if we ever talk to them again, we're going to hear it again, because that's what, we're going to, that's what they're going to talk about. That's the story that we hear as, as that we go and they'll be a part. It's their passion. There's nothing wrong with having passion for those things, but the Word of God is teaching us that we need to have that same kind of sense of passion for Him, for Him, and for His Word. 
that we need to be so enthralled, so filled with love and, and the wonder of who God is in Christ Jesus and what He's done in our lives and how He's affected us and touched us and made a difference in our life that this passion burns within us and this passion guides us and causes us to want to tell people about what God has done in our lives. I can't, I, I'm not ever going to be able or, nor fact, willing or interested in trying to out-argue anybody about any theological issue or anything else. It's a waste of time. They're going to believe what they believe, and there's nothing they can do to make me change what I believe. I can guarantee you that. And so the reality is, why, why do we argue about it? But I will tell them what God has done for my, in my life. I'll tell them who God is and what I believe Him to be, and they can listen or not listen. That's their choice. That's not up to me. The Bible says I don't have any power to bring conviction or reality in anybody's life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. All I can do is share what I believe to the best of my ability with fervor, with energy, with passion. I believe this is true. It's not something that's dull to me. It's not something that's uninteresting to me. It's not something that's an obligation to me that I feel somehow that I have to keep saying this because, well, I'm a Christian and everybody that's Christian has got to say this. No, it's got, it needs to be something that's burning within me. It needs to be something that's filled with zeal, something that, that has taken hold of my life and my heart. And regardless of whether anyone listens, regardless of whether anyone pays attention, this is what God has put in my heart, and this is what I must share. That's what the church, that's what he's saying to the church. Folks, we need to be that voice in a lost world. We need to be that voice that says to everyone around us, it doesn't matter what direction you go. It doesn't matter whether you agree with us. It doesn't matter what you think. All that matters is that we know that one day we were lost in Jesus Christ came into our lives. He changed our lives. He saved us from our sins. He made us His child. He adopted us into His family. And we are forever His. No matter what happens in our life, we belong to Him because of what He did. And because of what He did, I'm a new person. Because of what He did, I have a home forever. Because of what He did, my sins have been forgiven. Because of what He did, I have a purpose and a meaning in life. Because of what He did, God has accepted me for all eternity. I believe that with everything within me, and I need to share that with that understanding. The church needs to understand that, that we have the answer, folks. His name is Jesus. No other answer works. A lot of answers out there, but there's only one that works, and his name is Jesus. And we need to make sure that we have that passion, that belief, that understanding about what's going on about it. God loves his church. He died for his church. And he continually teaches and directs us and encourages us. And he gives us messages from time to time like these they gave to those churches. And then he preserves those in what we call the Bible so that we can keep coming back and hear, what does God expect of me? What am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to live? What do I do in this situation, in that situation? How do I live out my life in faith? And how can I make a difference in the world in which I live? How can we make a difference in Kwana? How can we? By just having a lackadaisical attitude? Just feeling like we've always felt, doing what we've always done in the same way we've always done it? Not saying there's anything wrong with what we're doing, but sometimes the fire's gone out in what we're doing. Always get called back to Samson, you remember when Delilah was trying to get him to tell her what his secret was so that she could turn him over to the Philistines. And he teased her along and he would tell her one thing and 
she would do it, and the Philistines would come in to capture him. Then he would break loose from whatever bonds or whatever was going on and be free. She finally deceived him enough and, and tantalized him enough that he told her the truth. And when she shaved his head, they came in to get him, and he had no power. He had no strength. And he didn't know it until he realized that as they took him and as they captured him, and he couldn't break free. He couldn't do what he'd always done before. He didn't know the power had left. I think a lot of our churches are just like that. We're still doing all the things we've always done, but we don't even know the power's gone. We don't even realize the strength is no longer there. We're just doing it because that's what we've always done. Nothing wrong with what we've always done. It's just that too often the power's gone. We've let it go. We've lost the interest. We've lost our first love. We've lost our passion. We've compromised. We've done this and we've done that to please the world, to try to draw people in. If we act like the world, maybe more people will come. Well, even if they do, it won't make any difference in their life because they don't have anything to offer them. God has a message for his church. That means you and me. And he says, he ends that message with these words. If you have ears, listen to what I've said. Pay attention to what I've given you. Listen. I remember the commercials a long time ago, and I'll close with this, when they were talking about phones, and, and you know, it's when they weren't quite maybe as uh, powerful and as many towers or whatever the case may be, and you saw the commercial, and they'd be talking, and you'd say, can you hear me now? And then they'd go, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Well, that's what God's asking us. Can you hear me now? Except really it ought to be, will you hear me now? Will you hear me? Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning again for your great love for us and for the power that is yours. Father, for the grace that you bestow upon us every single day, though we don't deserve it at any time. Thank you that your love is overwhelming and so powerful for your church, that you've given yourself for your church. You died for us, and you arose to show that we have the power, we have the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. Father, I pray that we would learn how to listen to you. And that starts with having a desire in our hearts, a willingness to want to hear you. We hear so often what we want to hear. So maybe that's where it needs to start in our lives with you. That we need to have you create, by the power of your spirit, a new desire, a new hunger, a new willingness to want to hear what you have to say to us. And then to teach us how to hear, how to listen how to really get the message that you're speaking and not the message that we assume that you're speaking, not the message that we want you to speak, but the message that you're speaking. So, Father, this morning I pray that we're listening. I pray that I'm listening. And I pray, Father, that you would just speak into our hearts and if there's something in our lives this morning that needs to be dealt with, then by your Holy Spirit bringing that conviction and awareness to our minds, would we hear and respond in the way that you want us to? Would we be a people, Father, who determine that we want to hear what God has to say more than we want to hear what anybody else has to say? Because if we miss what you say, 
then we've missed all that's important. And I pray that in Christ's name.